to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Amen. Aren't you excited for the coming kingdom? Amen. Be a, be a part of something even greater, a uh, greater kingdom than where we are now. Amen. Turn to a few people. Greet them as you're seated this evening. Amen. This is part four of the Clash of Kingdoms, talking about um, our civilization and our kingdom, America, versus uh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and uh, the fundamentals and foundations of these things, and comparing them one another, um, and understanding that uh, a civilization or a kingdom has their foundation, their founding documents of laws and regulations. Uh, that which it stands upon and it governs itself. And those laws help uh, make it a great kingdom or make it a terrible kingdom, depending on what the rule of law is in that country. And so we, we now we, we claim to be the, uh, the greatest uh, civilization the world has ever known. Um, and clearly by uh, the effect that we have had on the world, uh, with our generosity and, and, and wealth and, and money and opportunity and freedom, we've uh, impacted this world like none other uh, kingdom. And, and so it is great to be alive in this time and to be a part of such a great uh, kingdom and great country. And, and so it all, ba it all comes back to our, uh, our founding document, our um, our constitution that describes and sets up this great uh, American experiment, as it is uh, called. And so uh, we, we looked at that, began looking at that, and how it was uh, pulling from the principles of the Word of God and, and uh, the liberties and things that the Bible teaches and principles. And, and so it, it can't help but to make a great country when you're pulling from a great source such as the Word of God. Uh, and obviously many of our founding fathers and those uh, alive in that day uh, spoke to uh, the greatness of Christianity and the Word of God itself. And so uh, if you're going to do uh, something new and uh, start a new country or a new kingdom, uh, you've got, they made a right choice by by pulling these things out of the Word of God because uh, it alone stands tested and, and sure, uh, forever settled in heaven. And, and so uh, what greater thing to build it on than the Word of God? And, but the, the only thing that is greater is actually the kingdom of God because it literally is uh, line upon line, precept upon precept, every single word uh, that is governed by the kingdom of God is the Word of God. And uh, even though we're, we're extracting principles uh, from the Bible, uh, it helps make, it, uh, uh, make this country great, but obviously the greatest kingdom uh, and to come is 100% built upon the Word of God. Uh, and so you cannot compare to that, uh, but we are uh, lining our Constitution up what, with God's Constitution, and that is... Uh, the Word of God, and so we we began looking into um, uh, the amendments. Uh, talked, kind of opened up with the Bill of Rights, uh, the Declaration of Independence, and how uh, we we look to our Creator uh, and the laws of nature to establish these things. But then they begin to spell out even more um, our beloved First Amendment and how that lines up with Scripture and the Word of God and. Uh, our Constitution states that we can worship uh, whomever we want and whatever we want. The Bible states that there is only one God, and he alone deserves all the praise and worship. Uh, and so that's obviously a clashing right there. Uh, even though we uh, are grateful for the liberty that we have to uh, worship God and um, we also understand that the greater kingdom and the greater document, we need to be aligning ourselves with that 
uh, because that kingdom is coming. His kingdom is coming soon, and it is going to rule the world like no other kingdom before. We thought we were great. Wait till, wait till the kingdom of heaven arrives on this earth. That's going to be the greatest time. Uh, the millennial reign is going to be like uh, no other time that this world has ever seen. And that is because it is strictly ruled by the word of God. And even though it says uh, he will judge the nations with a rod of iron, and uh, if, if the nations don't come up to worship him, worship Jesus in Jerusalem, whoever does not come up, uh, immediately there's going to be judgment upon their house. There's not going to be rain for their crops. I mean, that's immediately. Uh, and so uh, the only reason it seems like a rod of iron is being ruled is to those who don't comply, it's going to be a hard time. But I'm, I'm thankful that I, I'm, I already know, we already know we're going to comply because we're complying right now. And when he's not even here yet physically in this world, and so we are already uh, a part of this kingdom of being a citizen, a citizen of heaven and of the world to come. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be a, a blessed time. And so uh, our First Amendment also gives us the right to peaceably uh, assemble and to protest our government or whatever reason uh, we want to, um, and we line that up with uh, the Word of God, and the Bible seems to say that you can protest if you want, but you kind of protest at your own risk uh, in the kingdom of heaven uh, because you're really go you're going up against Jesus himself because it's his kingdom, it's his word, and so uh, you better have a good lawyer uh, if you're going to uh, protest the kingdom of God. Uh, and so we love our First Amendment and all the liberties that it grants and provides, but we must not forget uh, of what the Word of God says and to align ourselves with the Word of God. And in doing so, uh, we are making sure we are living by the higher standard. Um, I don't know if... If we understood what we, we signed up for when we came into all this, and uh, I know the big carrot is to go to heaven, but uh, it's obviously much deeper than that. Uh, understanding that we have the, our creator living inside of us, his spirit inside of us gives us the power to live uh, above sin, ab a life above reproach, and uh, we, we know that uh, there is heaven coming, but uh, we can experience a little bit of heaven right now with the presence of God. It doesn't matter what you're going through or where we're at. If we have Jesus with us, don't we have peace that passes all understanding? We have everything that we need if we have his spirit inside of us. Uh, and so that's just a glimpse uh, of what is to come. And if, if God's already blessing us and, and showing favor uh, upon us in this life, we know it's even better uh, to come. And so our second amendment was what we talked about last time, our, uh, again, our beloved second amendment, uh, the one amendment that makes us extremely unique compared to most of the countries of this world. Uh, and so how we love our second amendment, uh, it is obviously there to help us keep every other amendment, especially the first amendment, uh, because without the second, you're not going to have the first. And so uh, Jesus aligning our, uh, our Second Amendment, looking into the Word of God and how that kind of uh, plays out in the, in the Scriptures and in the, in the Bible. Um, we, Jesus, we, we saw Jesus understands uh, home defense and self-defense, uh, and he obviously is for that. Um, we have the right to defend ourselves, and uh, a homeowner that is armed and fight for, fights for his home is going to keep his home and keep his family protected and his goods, and uh, he will be at peace, uh, those that guard their homes. Uh, because if you can't defend what you have, then you're eventually going to lose it. And as Jesus gives those examples uh, of the strong man and binding the strong man to take his goods, uh, and so... He, he teaches about uh, defending yourself and, and self-defense. Um, also, uh, you know, he, the, the big thing about it, we, we understand, he, he talks about, you know, turning the other cheek. And so that kind of gets thrown, that's kind of a wrench that gets thrown in there too. But uh, I, I think the, the context of that whole 
that whole area that that teaching is is more along lines of your your relationships with one with one another. Uh, if you get in uh, arguments or bitterness or, or a struggle with uh, the people that you know and uh, they they strike your face, then you know you're you you would turn the other cheek to them. Uh, I don't know if that necessarily applies to just some robber. You're gonna say, oh, you know, hit my other face, the other side of my face. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Uh, but about reconciliation and, and your 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 friends and your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, you should be the one to to, to turn the other cheek uh, and to to win that uh, situation uh, through love and uh, uh, taking the higher road. But uh, he obviously Jesus taught about self-defense, and so we he understands protecting ourselves uh, against dangers and threats. He even goes so far to uh, talk about that uh, the disciples to tell them if you don't have a sword, go and buy a sword. Sell your jacket, sell your cloak, and go buy a sword. And the disciples got excited, and they said, Lord, we have two swords here. Uh, and he said, that's enough. And so uh, he, he didn't condemn them for having a sword. Uh, and obviously the sword is only good for one reason, is for defense and fighting. Uh, so he said that is enough. And so um, obviously our s- beloved Second Amendment gives us this right to possess and to carry weapons to which Jesus uh, is seeming to be okay with. But it seems that there is something even greater at stake uh, than our Second Amendment and our guns, and that is the kingdom of heaven. We obviously want to align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven and its teachings. Uh, And so this is where we think that these things clash. The uh, American Constitution, the Second Amendment, and and the Word of God is is that Americans will uh, die, will go fight. Uh, They will die at the drop of a hat defending our Constitution and our Second Amendment. And obviously we... Uh, as our citizens of our country, that is uh, what we are called to do, and we don't even think twice about doing that. But then the question is posed, you do that for your constitution, you do that for your amendments, you do that for your country, will you do also do that for the Word of God? Will we be so quick to die for the Word of God as we are f- to defend our Second Amendment? And that's where the, the clash can happen because if we'll quickly run to, to death's door for our Second Amendment, but uh, what about the Word of God? It seems like we, we fight for the Second Amendment, but we aren't living for the Word of God. We're not fighting to keep God in our lives or fighting to, to, to keep Him in our country. It seems like we're uh, leaning towards one and not the other. But if we would fight to keep God in our country, we probably wouldn't need our Second Amendment. We wouldn't need the guns because God is in control. But uh, once you push God out, hey, there's nothing, there's nothing but evil that's going to creep in. And so obviously you're going to need your Second Amendment. But if we Americans would, would cling to the Word of God like, we cling to our our second amendment this world might be a little bit different our country might be on a different track if we loved god uh, as much as we love our weapons and so uh that's things that's where things can clash uh and obviously we know that anything that is put above uh, the word of god put above god uh and his will uh, can be becomes an idol because we seek at first, and so if we we'll, if we'll do this for the Second Amendment, we had better do that as also and even the more so for the Word of God, uh, and so that's where things can clash if we will uh, die for our country but won't die for the Word of God. Uh, that's that's sad. Uh, obviously, we have to have a relationship with Him and understand that we have to want it want to have this walk with Jesus and the Word of God to lift that up and to keep that in our lives. We, we should be fighting for the Word of God and, and even more so in these last days uh, than every, uh, everything else. Uh, but it all boils down to this. How much faith and trust are we putting in our Constitution and our, our Second Amendment, our First Amendment, and how much faith and trust do we put in our guns to protect us 
and how much faith and trust we put in God to protect us. If we believe uh, if we have more faith in our guns than God, uh, then that can be a problem too, right? Because God, God, God can protect us better than any kind of gun out there. Uh, and so we should be uh, looking to him first and foremost, believing that his hand is going to be upon us. And if, if not, then, you know, it's God's will, I guess, right? Uh, then we, we get to go to the better place, right? As long as you're living right. Don't want to be surprised. Uh, and so uh, our First and Second Amendments, obviously, are most popular ones, probably the ones that uh, get caught up in courts most of the time because of uh, being violated and things are unconstitutional, trampling on these uh, on our rights. Uh, and so tonight we're going to move on to the other ones, uh, uh, going into the Third Amendment, which obviously doesn't really get much light because, you know, necessarily it doesn't really apply too much nowadays. And I don't know if it really ever, uh, in studying this, they, they said that, uh, uh, it is said that there hasn't even been a a suit brought to the s- to the Supreme Court concerning the Third Amendment. That's that's how out of date it is, I guess. Uh, and so the Third Amendment goes like this: No soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. And so basically the Third Amendment obviously says that soldiers aren't just going to be camping out in your house without your permission. And again, it, you know, soldiers, we have, we have bases and barracks and places for them to, to live and, and do all that. And so again, it, you can kind of see how the kind of disconnect, especially nowadays, maybe shortly after our, our country was founded, obviously still in that uh, time period when the, that may have been applied more, uh, but we don't have to worry about a soldier just knocking on our door or kicking our door down and say, hey, I'm here to sleep on the couch. Uh, and that's exactly what the Third Amendment says. It no, it's forbidden in times of peace, uh, but even in times of war, they cannot come in without your consent. Uh, and so the reason for this, uh, obviously, you would, uh, the reason they would spell that out is because that was obviously happening to them. Uh, and so it was one of the complaints uh, they spelled out against King and the King of England and all all those uh, issues uh, with the Declaration of Independence. But in 1765, the the British Parliament enacted their the first quartering acts that required American colonies to pay uh, the costs of British soldiers that were serving there in their colonies and. Uh, they also required that the lo- local barracks provided, uh, if they didn't have enough space, the barracks, then uh, they w- would put the troops up in uh, alehouses, bars, hotels, stables, any public places. The, uh, that's where they would uh, store the uh, extra, s- extra soldiers. Um, but obviously... Uh, after the Boston Tea Party, things didn't go so well, and so the uh, Quartering Act of 1774 was put into place. And one, uh, one, this this law said that uh, the the British troops can be housed wherever necessary, not just the public spaces, the public bars and hotels and all this stuff, but they gave the the governors the uh, the power to just say, hey, we're going to put these troops up in your house and you know they had what are you going to do when a when a whole uh company of soldiers come marching in saying hey we're staying here till we're ready to leave uh you obviously those that had guns you don't have enough guns to defend against all those soldiers coming in uh and as you can imagine uh this must have happened a lot otherwise it wouldn't make it into our, our our constitution and so you can imagine, um, I guess it's one thing if you were on the, uh, the British side and you were in favor of, of uh, them maintaining control. And so, you know, the, the squad of troops show up and you're like, oh, okay, glad you're here. 
But uh, but if if you're on the other side, if you're with the colonials, then you didn't you didn't like the the British. But imagine them just busting in your house and saying, "Hey, we're here." That that wouldn't go over very well at all. Again, it wouldn't go over very well either way. But it's obviously much harder if you did not like them uh, or did not want them to be there. And so uh, it happened so much that it made it all the way into our Constitution uh, that uh, they can't do that anymore. And obviously it's kind of null and void nowadays, uh, but it's still there. It's still part of our document, and so we are addressing it and, and looking into it. And maybe this is a history lesson for you tonight as well. Uh, if you never knew what the Third Amendment was, hopefully you remember after tonight. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and then trying to draw the line, the bridge that connects uh, our Third Amendment with the Word of God and the Kingdom of God and how that plays out. And, and again, you can't, it's, it's really kind of hard to even kind of fathom that. I mean, uh, obviously back in those 2,000, 3,000 years ago, uh, I guess that can happen. Uh, massive armies just coming in, and you know you're lucky that uh, I guess you survived if they came into your house. Uh, but uh, we don't really see the uh, the Bible really addressing, uh, you know, giving scriptures to hey, open up your house to the soldiers because obviously they were, they went out and fight and different things. And um, but the the correlation, the connection that I'm I, I'm kind of drawing from this, and it's it's obviously a stretch, but. It's something that the Bible does teach about and can be uh, looked at through the lens back into our Third Amendment, and that is kind of like a hospitality thing. The Bible does talk about hospitality. Now, obviously, uh, you, you know, I don't know how hospitable you were to uh, the redcoats in your house. They taken over your house, and, and you know, uh, either you're going to pick up and leave uh, or you're going to stay there too, and if you're staying there, may, you probably... Uh, did your best to keep them happy, otherwise it may not go well for you. But uh, again, hospitality, the Bible does talk about hospitality. Um, and we see in Romans chapter 12, it says, uh, 12 verse 13, says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. And again, hospitality is a broad word. It can mean a whole lot of things. It, it can mean uh, you open up your house to them. And uh, if, you know, it comes to that situation and, and you're uh, able to do that, opening up your house to them, you're being hospitable uh, to them. And verse 17, it says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Uh, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt reap uh, heap coals of fire upon his head. Uh, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, uh, you know, in reading that, I can I can picture uh, you know the colonialists when their homes being invaded by the British troops. Uh, and if they're living by the word of God, they're going to say, you know, uh, if your enemy is, is hungry, then you feed him. Uh, and so the Bible obviously does talk about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine such a scenario, right? Your, your enemy uh, of you, of your soul is, is hungry, so you give him some food. You think that's the last thing I'm going to give you is food. But it's right here. It says you be hospitable. Uh, oh, don't uh, return evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, uh, again, maybe this, maybe this part, never, we never have to play this out in our life uh, because we can't imagine a certain scenario. But uh, if for whatever reason somehow you find the enemy in your home, uh, the Bible says that if he's hungry, make him a meal. Maybe poison it. I don't know. But then you'd be free, right? Uh, so that's that's your way out, I guess. Uh, but uh, so we are, we are we are to be hospitable as the in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, uh, open up our uh, our life, uh, our blessings, whatever it is to help somebody else. And that's really what it's about is helping somebody else out if we are able to do that. And 
and God has provided us the, the goods and, and the means to do such a thing. Um, 1 Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Uh, and so uh, you need to be a good, uh, a good Christian, uh, a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and uh, be hospitable to uh, those who are in need. Uh, and, and again, it's, uh, this kind of speaks to us in many ways. Obviously, we are a very blessed country. We all uh, cherish our independence, our own liberty, our freedom. And that means freedom from the world, and also it also means freedom from each other. You know, we don't we don't want anybody in our in our life. We want we've got our home and all these things. And uh, part of the American culture is we truly love our independence uh, from, and that includes from everybody. And so, um, being hospitable uh, can be a hard thing at times. Hopefully it's not. If God has blessed you, we should e- easily be able to give to others in need. And I'm not saying that we are stingy, but uh, we, uh, if God has blessed us, then we can be a blessing to somebody else. Because I'm sure there was times in our life where we, didn't ha- we were without and somebody was hospitable to us. And just think about how hospitable God has been to us, uh, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He, he, he loved us while we were yet sinners, and he he gave us uh, an opportunity to be reconciled back with him and ultimately to live with him in all the uh, in eternity. Uh, and so God has been more than hospitable to us. And so, again, we should be hospitable to others. Uh, and obviously, I know we were extremely hospitable and generous uh, as a church and obviously as a community here after the hurricane. And everyone, you can just feel the love and everywhere pouring out, helping one another. And it's just... It changes things, doesn't it? It changed things. Uh, it broke down all the barriers and, and walls that we all had up because we all came together because uh, for the greater good and helping one another and, and, and reaching out. And people didn't care who you were, what, uh, what, uh, what your faith was, or, or, or uh, all these things. We just, we just were here to help one another. Uh, and being hospitable to one another, the love just gets... Uh, shared around and, and it, it really helps people out and people's heart melt and can't believe that all these things are doing and strangers helping one another just amen it's just in the word of God living by the word of God imagine if we really uh, as a nation uh, held the word of God as high as we do or higher than our constitution we would have a much better society wouldn't we if we fought for all that to keep it and uh, we obviously the, the the great example of being hospitable is uh, the story in, in Luke chapter 10 about the Good Samaritan that Jesus talks about. Um, we know that uh, a man had fallen among thieves, uh, laid on the side of the road, and Jesus talks about how there's a priest walks by him, walks on the other side, obviously sees him and notices him and just keeps on walking. Then a Levite comes by, uh, at least gets a little closer. Um, and but still keeps on walking. But then finally, a Samaritan comes and takes him up and bandages him up and takes him to a place, uh, uh, an urgent care, and says, "Take care of his needs and whatever it is. I'll come when I come back. I'll pay you, repay you, all these things." That's being hospitable to a stranger uh, because it's the somebody asked Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" Uh, you know, and he quoted, "You know, you got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." as a second commandment, as great as the first. And, and, and so he asks, who's your neighbor? And, and that's the answer that Jesus gave him. And so basically, uh, our neighbor is not, not just the person who lives next to us. But according to Jesus, your neighbor is really anybody who's in need. To be hospitable to them that are in need, and uh, not everyone may see it, but Jesus sees it. You may not get recognition or rewards or get paid back for it, but Jesus sees it, and he will bless you because you're blessing somebody else, and you're not doing it to get a return. You're just doing it to be a, to be a blessing to somebody uh, because he has been a blessing uh, to us. And so uh, Third John uh, talks about being hospitable. 
uh, verse 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the whole church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a, a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that uh, for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellowshippers uh, to the truth. And so uh, he's commending them on their hospitality and their giving towards these uh, uh, preachers and or missionaries and even the strangers, he said, is even brought up before the church how well and how hospitable you were, even the, so much that they didn't need uh, to ask of any needs of the Gentiles while they're out there preaching the gospel because the church supplied all their needs and they're able just to continue on going preaching the gospel. Uh, and so this is likened unto uh, easily how we support missionaries that are uh, overseas and we're being hospitable to them by sending them money every month and they're out preaching the gospel and we are being partakers and fellowshippers of the truth simply by our generosity and giving uh, each and every month to uh, those missionaries uh, and so you never know who you bless when you're being hospitable. You never know who that stranger is that you're touching and you're blessing. Maybe, maybe they'll come through these doors and, and be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and, and, and wa start walking a new life. Or, uh, or maybe you'll never see them again. But Jesus knows and sees your deeds and your actions, and, and he will uh, reward you and do time for those things. But you never know who the strangers are. That's why you've got to be hospitable to them. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 13 and 2, uh, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You never know who that stranger is. Uh, and so if you treat them all the same, and just be nice and bless them if you can, if God has urged you to do something or give them something or speak to them, you never know who it is. It could always be a test from God seeing how hospitable you are, uh, and they can be entertaining. you can be entertaining angels, not even know it. As we see that uh, Abram was, uh, did that um, when he saw three men approach him as he was sitting in the opening of his tent, and he, what did he do? He ran and got a, a young lamb, and he killed it and, and fed them. He didn't know who they were. He found out later who they were, uh, but uh, that didn't change the fact that he was just saw some strangers walking up to him and you can imagine being out there in the in the wilderness uh where abram was i can't imagine it's too crowded out there uh and so when you see people just kind of randomly showing up hey there there's 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 some people coming you might as well feed them because there's nobody else out here uh and so the eastern cultures and religions out over there uh uh, they really hold to hospitality a lot more than we do over here. Um, they believe, many of them believe that if a stranger shows up, they're sent from heaven. Uh, as, you know, kind of aligns with this verse, but you never know who that is. Uh, so they're very hospitable and, and hold to that uh, because you never know. You could be entertaining angels unaware. And so that's, that's the best that I can do, that connection from the Third Amendment uh, about soldiers coming in and staying in your house uh, without your permission. Obviously, the Third Amendment corrected that. But uh, again, where there's an, a, a moment, an opportunity to be hospitable, uh, that was the time to do that. And so uh, regardless of the time and day and age, whether it's something that's 200 years ago or today, we should always strive to be hospitable uh, as best as we can. Uh, because you never know who that person uh, may be. Uh, musicians, if you would come. Uh, moving on to the next amendment is the Fourth Amendment. I think we, we probably may, maybe have a better idea of what the Fourth Amendment is more than the Third. Um, and the Fourth Amendment uh, is the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by 
oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Um, obviously, this obviously was another big issue back then because they just kind of had a, uh, all that they had was a general warrant. Um, and the, the colonies didn't really, they had, the colonies were treated differently than the British, uh, uh, British citizens in England. Uh, and so they, the British uh, citizens in England, they obviously had uh, uh, stricter uh, protections to, to warrant against these uh, unlawful uh, seizures and searches. But the, the colonists, they didn't really care about them, obviously. And so um, there was a general warrant that they can just, for whatever reason, uh, authorities, they possessed almost an unlimited power to search for anything at any time with very little oversight. And so if they just wanted to bust in your house and just look for something and take whatever they wanted, that's, that's what happened. That's why this was in here, because uh, that happened too many times. And, uh, and so, uh, but that is there today to protect us. Uh, and so when the authorities show up, they can't just barge in your house. And many people uh, know that and... Uh, even when the, the, the cops are flashing their lights and they're pounding on your door, you can stand there and say, unless you have a warrant, you can't come in. Now, imagine saying that 200 years ago uh, to the British soldiers, you can't come in here. Well, that was probably the end of you. But nowadays, they can't, they can't come in. Uh, FBI, whatever, whatever government thing, uh, organization you want, they cannot come in unless they have a specific and probable cause uh, and so imagine that the Fourth Amendment is so powerful that it keeps the government out of your house. The almighty, all-powerful government cannot just bust in your house for no reason. Uh, and so uh, that is a very uh, powerful amendment that we adhere to in this present day. And it obviously is uh, caught up in the court so many times, uh, violation of these things. Uh, and so... How does this carry over into the Word of God and the Kingdom of God? Do we have the gall and the nerve to say, God, you can't come into my house? As much as we love, to say, as much as we'll tell our government, you can't come into my house. Do we have that same attitude towards God and the Kingdom of God? Because this is how we, we grow up and we cherish these amendments and we die for these amendments we have to realize and understand, uh, is that going to carry over into the kingdom of heaven? Are we still going to have that mentality, or, or are we going to say, God, my house is open to you? And, and how much better off w- would we be if we openly had that door open, left that door open for God? God, you can come in at any time. Come and search my house for an une- unexpected time for whatever reason. Come and, come and do a search in my house and my heart and my life and uh, really, uh, you know, having the Holy Ghost, he's already in us. He's already in our house, right? He's already inside of us, and so we can't really tell him uh, you can't come in because he's already in. Of course, you can, you can kick him out and, you know, have fun with that life if you kick Jesus out of your life. But uh, even still, we can have the Holy Ghost, and we can still close off certain areas of our life. Uh, we, don't, we don't want God going in that, that room. We don't want God opening that. We, we, we hold to our Fourth Amendment and say, God, don't come in that room. I don't want you in that place. I don't want you seeing those things. I don't want you uncovering those things and feeling the, the conviction of the Holy Ghost. That's God saying, hey, I, need a, I, I, feel, I sense something. I, I'm not liking that. I want to come into that room and search it out and find what is there's something in there that, that doesn't need to be in there. And so if we, uh, if we submit to the conviction of the Holy Ghost, really that's just opening the door and saying, God, I'm, I'm surrendering my rights. My, my Fourth Amendment is not going to. Is not doesn't matter here, and I'm not I'm not using that against you. I want you to come in and 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 look through every part of my life, and 
And that should be a daily prayer for us, that God, search my heart, search my mind. If there's anything that is unpleasing to you, let me know that I can help get rid of that, get that junk out of my life, because I want to have a clean and open and clear relationship with you, that you can speak anything to me, and I, I'll stop it or, or get rid of it or move it out of my life. Uh, and that, uh, that doesn't happen if we're holding to our Fourth Amendment. Because we're keeping the, the, the authority out. And, and so um, this definitely, definitely applies. And I think where it shows itself the strongest is whether we're holding to our Fourth Amendment or not when it comes to holiness, our holiness standards. Do we let God speak to us and tell us that he doesn't like that? Or do we say, nah, it's, it's my body, my choice. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, and you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So if you want to go to heaven, you have to surrender your body to Jesus. You have to stand and declare that, God, this is not my body anymore. I give it to you. I want your Holy Ghost, your spirit to come inside of me and live inside of me. And what that means, that God is now in control and, and he's already purchased He's purchased your salvation with his blood. So he's already, uh, he already owns, uh, owns the rights to you. But if you have his spirit inside of you, you definitely become a temple of the Holy Ghost. And you are not your own and your body no longer belongs to you, which means you don't have a Fourth Amendment anymore. If things are going to remain calm and peaceful, you're not going to have a Fourth Amendment because you're going to say, God, search any part of me. You have complete control and complete say over everything in my life and in my body and what I put on my person and uh, put on my body uh, because we are to glorify you with uh, our life and with our lifestyle, with our actions and how we look and what we go, where we don't go. All this is about God because uh, we are now the walking temple. We're a church walking around because the Holy Ghost is inside of us and we had better make sure that we uh, have all our doors open, no doors locked, and to keep God from going from in, in certain places. And, and so uh, we don't have a Fourth Amendment in the kingdom of God. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, you got to surrender your Fourth Amendment if you stand with me tonight. And so, um, Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That is acceptable unto God, not acceptable unto the person in the mirror. We accept a lot of things. God doesn't accept everything. We have our own preferences and our own opinions and our own ideas about certain things. But how does that compare up with the Word of God and the body, our body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost? We, people will treat this physical building better than they do their own bodies and their Holy Ghost filled. People wouldn't dare graffiti a church, but they'll graffiti their bodies. And so understanding what the kingdom of God is founded upon the word of God, we have to understand and realize that many of the precious liberties and, and amendments that we hold near and dear as an American citizen that we would love and we would fight for and we die for, we have to realize that a lot of those things don't carry over into the kingdom of God. Especially the Fourth Amendment, that's a big one. And so how do we continue on? We have to realize that we are not our own. That we are bought with a price. And so how valuable we are, how valuable our bodies is, that we don't want to bring any shame to him. We don't want to bring any dishonor to him because of what he has done and he has purchased us. And the maker of heaven and earth bought this body and asked me to take care of it until he comes back. 
What a responsibility it is for me to, to manage and maintain this body, this temple for him. I had better take care of it. I had better not pollute it. I had better uh, not uh, hide stuff away in the closets of my heart and my life. I better make sure everything is open to him and uh, to cleanse myself and be, be careful of how I uh, adorn myself or decorate myself because it's not about my will or my glory. It's all about him. And so uh, my body is more valuable uh, than anything. And so we got to make sure we fight for that and to keep ourselves aligned with the word of God. And that means surrendering a lot of our rights here, uh, American uh, constitutional rights, surrendering them to Jesus because as great as it is to live in this country, we know something greater is coming on the horizon soon and very soon, and we got to make sure we're aligned with him because he's going to be here in the twinkling of an eye, the sounding of the trumpet. It's going to be in a matter of moments, and we're going to be out of this place in the, in the heaven to be with him. And so only those that are aligned with the word of God are going to be going with him. And I'm thankful for his grace and his opportunity that gives us this, this space, to, a space of repentance and a time to, to correct ourselves and align ourselves with his word because uh, without that, without uh, doing that, then we really lose out on everything. doesn't matter how much we have accomplished in this life. Without God, we are nothing. We are nothing without him. And I want to make sure that we are still connected to him and stay aligned and, and, and listening to his word and his voice so that we can be uh, in, in sync with him and his spirit. That way we will be ready to meet him in the air. Amen. Let's close our eyes and begin to worship the Lord. Let's thank him for his word. God, even if it means, Lord, I, I surrender, God, my rights. I do that to you, Jesus. Lord, that you can search me, Jesus. Search my heart. Search my life. We're not going to keep you out, God, but we invite you in even more so. And we can align ourselves with you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That we can be a part of the greater kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We're nothing without you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're here to worship you, Jesus, to lift you up, Lord. Hallelujah.
Lord and give him praise tonight. Lord, Hallelujah. I to worship you, God. Lord, everything, God. Everything, God. Every word, God. I worship worship you Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God, that we can look and study and show ourselves the proof. Hallelujah. Help us to align ourselves with your word and your kingdom. And we give you the praise. We worship you. Amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. We dismiss tonight. Let's continue to align ourselves with the kingdom of God. Amen. God bless.